What was your holiday yesterday? Uh, Thanksgiving. We had, um, yeah. That's right. So we did it first. So you guys are ripping us <laughs> off <laughs> with your Thanksgiving copycats. Enjoy. Whopper. Yeah. Yeah. While you eat your Whopper poutine. Okay. No problem. <laughs> don't, don't, don't diss our Whopper poutine. <laughs> Make fun of it. Yeah. You go enjoy your KFC bowl. Blah. Wow, what's with like here. you and hatred for the huh? U.S. today? Well, let's, she know. started it. Let's started it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was. I was fine when I got here. Wait, 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 wait. We got this recorded now. I think, I, wait, wait. Let's see. Yeah. Um, Liz, uh, what was your holiday yesterday? Oh, Thanksgiving. Oh, guess what? Guess who copied off of who? <laughs> well, <listen. laughs> it was all in the way that no. I don't think we need to record. No, that. it's listen. <laughs> I was all about the tone. You're just like, what was your holiday? You you're what? always mocking Canadian holidays. You always mock them. Well, you guys know. do have some funny holidays. See, it's great. Yeah, I love them. You uh, you crapped all over our family day. Yeah, I I'm, that still, I'm still trying to understand that family and, day thing. Listen, and we're actually important. the last province to get it. Yeah. And it's different than everyone else in the country. Yeah, <laughs> family day is important. Wow, he's like, real today. Rob's been spending too much time with his cat. Plus, this is, uh, we're, we're cutting into Rob's dinner hour. He's getting hangry. <laughs> Rob gets, ha Rob gets uh, hangry during there, podcast There's recording. the real, that is true. Root to the problem. That is true. The whole, I think he got, you know, the whole Whopper poutine sparked up mm. a little hangriness. And mm. then, and then, and then, that then he K brought KFC bowl, right? Which, that... which, by the way, rolled off the tongue really fast for somebody who doesn't <laughs> like KFC bowls. Recording in progress. Welcome to a, another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Mm, wow, there's a cowbell delay on that one. Uh, hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, we have a full roster here. We have Mr. Steve Barkley. Hey, that's actually me. And we have Mr. Ryan Fleury. That's the right winger to you. And our center, Liz Malone. Center of what? I don't know. Is that, is that a thing? Isn't that a yeah. position? It is a thing, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is a thing. Listen, I've played <laughs> NH, I've It's played so NHL. easy to make him doubt himself. Huh? <laughs> it's true. I know. I mean, I kind of I kind of know. Anyways, uh, how are you guys today? How's my team doing? Do you know what today is, Rob? Today is... No, I don't. I have no idea. Is it? It's a, uh, it's a big day. Today is the official opening day of hockey season, NHL season. Really? Yeah. Yes. No kidding. Yes. Really? Oh, wow. I am really... missing a game right now to do this. We that's this. that's how dedicated. Wait, they're already playing, you mean? Like yes. they've already like started? They're not, this isn't like one of those exhibition things? No, or no, no, whatever. no, no, no. There's a, there's a real game on that I can, I'm trying to, I, every now and then I lean forward just to see if I can oh, really? catch something. Yes, yes. We're well... in, we are officially in hockey season. See, and I feel like it was just last week when I was just like, okay, that's it. I guess the Colorado, <laughs> Colorado uh, Avalanche. There that's you go. Yeah. One, right? Good job. Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colorado Goes Avalanche. Goes <laughs> they won the Stanley Cup and I thought it was all over. And what? Is that just right? Right? Stop laughing at me. And, and here Gosh. we are again. Wow. Another season. That's un that's funny how that happens, right? Yeah, it's, that's right. So this is the 2023 season it's kicking off today. Yes. And well, that's very exciting. Well, let's uh, let the listeners know why the heck that is like a little bit of synergy because uh, what the heck are we doing today? Who you ask him? I, anybody? <laughs> uh, I don't it. know. 
That's how about awesome. Ryan? Sorry, Ryan, how about you tell us uh, what uh, what we're doing today and, and why it kind of lines up with uh, with hockey season starting? Well, that was a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't know today was the official opening day of NHL hockey, but here it is. What a coincidence. So today's show, we have from the Canadian Blind Hockey Association, Luca DeMontis. Hello, Luca. How's it going, everyone? Good, good. Glad you could make it. Thanks for having us. No problem at all. Also joining us from our very own Vancouver Eclipse blind hockey team, Graham Foxcroft. Welcome, Graham. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. And ladies. Thank you. She's one of the guys. Well, <laughs> yeah, we we couldn't afford another locker room, so we, 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 do, we, do, we do the co-ed locker rooms here. Um, okay, well, listen, with everybody's very excited about having you guys on. So why don't we just start with maybe each of you guys giving us a little bit of background on each of you and a little bit of background uh, about the organization. All right. So uh, as I mentioned, yeah, my name is Luca DeMontis. I'm the program director of Canadian Blind Hockey and the general manager of our Canadian National Blind Hockey team. Uh, I've had the privilege and the honor of holding this role for a few years now and working with this amazing community from athletes across this country. And we've had the joy of now showcasing this sport and this fast growing parasport around the world. Um, so Canadian Blind Hockey is a national sports organization for the parasport of blind hockey in Canada. Um, through our Learn to Skate field trip programs, our development camps, our regional tournaments, and our flagship Canadian National Blind Hockey Tournament, we create the parasport of blind hockey and make programming accessible for children, youth, and adults who are blind or partially sighted from across this country. So um, it's something that's truly remarkable to see when you see a child get on the ice for the very first time, or if you see somebody who's a little bit older take part in a tournament and win their very first medal, uh, feeling that acceptance of being part of a team and sharing the same camaraderie and sharing the same dream of um, one day wanting to win a medal as part of a group is so important, but it's bigger than that. What we truly believe, we believe just being part of a team and having that community, uh, especially uh, in the disabled community with the visual impairment. Uh, Graham could touch on this a little bit more, but um, these are unique individuals that have fought and battled oh, so yeah. much adversity in life. Right. So um, to get them all in a room, uh, a change room, as you, you just alluded to a little bit earlier, um, you hear so many different stories of courage. And each of those stories um, definitely holds its own weight. And I like to think every player in our community, such as Graham today, is an ambassador to share the sport and create more awareness for the sport because their stories are what make our sport so special. Right. So um, that's just a little bit about Canadian blind hockey. I'm sure over the next little bit here today, we'll be able to provide you all with some more information about how we play the sport, how we make it inclusive, and more importantly, uh, how we love the game that uh, many know as Canada's national game. And how we have fun with it, right? That's Very the key true. point is fun. Um, I'm Graham. I'm with the Vancouver Eclipse blind hockey team. I'm the chair of the team. Uh, so I kind of organize and run everything that we do, uh, run our fundraisers and stuff. We're a program of BC blind sports. Um, so they help us out with our ice times and stuff like that. Um, we also get funding from Lions Club. Uh, they bought uh, us a couple of sets of jerseys over the years and things like that. Um, our program runs uh, basically through September to the end of March. Um, and we play once a week out in North Surrey um, Sports and Ice Complex. Um, and we're there every Sunday at 1045 on the ice. Uh, Steve, you're more than welcome to come out and uh, visit and uh, cheer us on because we love an audience. We don't get many out there, but one guy would help, I'm sure. <laughs> I can yell enough for two. Perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, we also have um, ice time on Fridays, kind of every second Friday, like twice a month, we're doing uh, basically from now until the end of March as well. Um, if you're anyone's interested in learning blind hockey, we're here to help learn and teach and go through things. If you need equipment, we could figure that out. Um, yeah, so that's kind of us for the Eclipse Blind Hockey Team. So maybe we could we could start by just for people who are who may be listening who aren't familiar with blind hockey. Could you kind of step us through some of the the ways that the game is adapted? Sure. Um, 
we use a metal puck. It's about five centimeters across wide and about two centimeters high. It's got ball bearings on the inside. Um, so it's a little bit bigger, moves a little bit slower than a regular puck. Our nets are a foot smaller than the average net because the goalies are blind in blind hockey. Um, in tournaments, they have to wear a uh, eye shade, but uh, when we play, we don't worry about it too much. Um, so the foots are net smaller. There's a one pass rule that we have to do once you cross over into the offensive zone. Um, and that um, part of the part of that is the inclusiveness of playing hockey. So everyone gets a chance to touch the puck. Um, but that's really uh, for the goalies to kind of navigate themselves and know where their play is. Um, so it alerts them to that the play might be coming from the left. And once that pass whistle goes, then we're able to make a shot. Um, so those are kind of the rules. Did I miss anything, Luca? No, you definitely touched on them great. Describe them well. I think just one thing to touch on is that how important these adaptations have been. And the biggest thing about the adaptations is um, myself, Canadian Blind Hockey, our executive director, Matt Morrow, um, we believe in listening to the community. So when we first created the rule of taking off the top foot of the net, it was with a lot of conversations with the goalies, right? Um, we listened to them that when the puck is traveling in the air, it's hard to hear it. So if we could help them by taking off that top foot, we were able to kind of minimize high scoring games, right? Which makes it a lot more fair and level the playing field across the board, right? So we've always taken the consideration, uh, the comments, the suggestions from our community because they are the most important stakeholders in this in this industry, right? In this game, um, we build the game around them, right? One of the coolest things I love to see was the one pass rule, right? We do have players in this community like a Jason Yuha, uh, Kelly Servu that can go from behind their net and to the other end and put on a highlight goal however it doesn't include their teammates right and, and we were big believers of including everybody on the ice so it makes that one pass so much more important and when you see a player celebrate for their first goal or their first assist um in in their life uh it's magical right and i truly believe that the adaptations are so important to the game but along with that we can continue to keep making adaptations right uh a, a safety adaptation is um no player is allowed in the crease because the goalie are completely blind and blindfolded we don't want anybody falling all over them right and, and anything like that so we when try the to puck, when the puck is in the blue it's also frozen as well because the goalie might not be able to find it or see it so if it hits the goalie and falls into the blue then it's a frozen puck like he made the save right so that's another big adaptation for sure so it's treated the same as if he covered it up Exactly. Gotcha. Yes. And, and that's safety, right? Safety, 100% in anything we do. Um, that's one of the main um, items we look at whenever we are creating a new rule and adaptation um, or anything in terms of the game. We want to make it as safe as possible. Now, as a forward, I hate that pass rule because I can't make a good defensive play at the blue line and go up the net and score on the net because I have to wait for a teammate to catch up to me to make that pass. So as a forward center, I, I personally don't like that rule, but I understand why it's there. So now that we all know what type of forward Graham is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so I'm going to, I'm just going to play the role of the, the clueless listener that maybe not, not know anything about hockey, but so could you explain what you mean when you say it, it's, it's a one pass the, the one pass rule does that mean that you can't shoot on the net unless you pass it to somebody or I like did you can't just for, walk for us through clueless, that for a clueless listener you got the nail right on the head oh nice right? so let's say your team is attacking and now you pass the opposition's blue line before you are allowed to shoot the puck on net you must make one successful pass to your teammate that pass cannot hit the opposition's foot stick any part of their equipment. It must be a successful pass tape to tape or tape to around the board, around the boards. It, the player could receive it on their foot. It's got to be a direct pass to your teammate. Once that pass is made, the referee will then indicate that the pass is good by blowing a high pitch whistle. That high pitch whistle then indicates as Graham mentioned, mostly to the defensive team, the goalie that now a shot is allowed to happen on me. The other team is allowed to score right if a player shoots the puck on the net and there is no pass made the play will be blown dead and the faceoff will be taken all the way down to their zone or outside the blue i think isn't it offside mm -hmm. yeah 
So it's uh, it's exciting to see because it's the one thing that people that traditional hockey doesn't have that we have with our sport, right? A lot of friends, whenever they come to a tournament or whenever they come to a game, they they like to see that because I, I I'll commend a lot of our players. You see some highlight reel one passes that lead to some incredible goals, right? And that's a testament to the camaraderie, but also to the testament of the skill of these athletes, despite being visually impaired, right? So it, it's cool to see from, from somebody with vision who watches the, a lot of blind hockey um, to see that one pass being made and to see how creative these players are getting as the sport does develop. And this is Ryan. I've followed the sport a little bit over the past few years. And I can definitely attest to the pace of the game because you guys have also had and may still do have ex-players who played in world junior hockey and have just lost their sight due to whatever circumstances. So there is some high-level skill there for sure. Yeah, we, we have some incredible stories of some players that played in the in the queue, some players that played um, junior B in Ontario, also in the BCHL. And, you know, despite these life-altering conditions, they're still playing the game they love. And they're not letting their disability um, stop them from doing that, right? And and even somebody like Graham Foxcar, Graham, you can touch on this a little bit for how long you've been playing and, and oh, the yeah. love that you have for the game, right? I can't remember there being an event that Graham hasn't attended mm-hmm. in Canadian blind hockey history, right? So that's not only a testament to him, but it's a testament to all the players in this community, how dedicated they are to take part in something that they truly love, right? And I think that's remarkable for any individual and even more remarkable for someone um, with a disability where they're maybe used to hearing that sorry you, you can't participate in this or sorry there, there's no room to participate in this event or um, despite your visual impairment we can't adapt or modify this exercise for you when here we're willing to modify and adapt and and listen I think is very important as Graham mentioned most important have fun right if you're going to have fun taking part in blind hockey and I could promise you you will um, you'll want to come back. That's a testament for anything you do when you have fun, you want to continue to do it. Can you guys tell me again what the dimensions are of the puck that you use? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, so our our puck, I'm going to touch on it a little bit. So we try to describe it as a, the size of an old wagon wheel, right? For individuals that have a wagon, um, for individuals that have maybe a barbecue, it's the size of a barbecue wheel. However, it is made of stainless steel. Um, I believe it's four times larger, Graham. You can correct me on that wrong. Yeah, I think so. Of a traditional puck. So it it is bigger. The steel along with the bearings inside the puck do allow for the hollowness of it to rattle around, which makes the noise for the players with the visual impairment to track it on the ice. Okay. Um, Pucks are expensive. And pucks, because the fact that they are hollow, um, they do get beaten up in a game. So there are certain games where we might go through a couple pucks because when the puck gets beaten up, the hollowness, it starts to create dents and the dents then don't allow the ball bearings to fully uh, track around the surface. So it doesn't appear as loud for the goalies and players. So there's been games where we've had to use a couple different pucks before. It's about five inches across. It's about two inches high, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like a salmon can, a big salmon can or a big tuna can kind of thing is how I describe it as, as well. Yeah, I mean, to, that's actually, to me, still pretty small because like a, a normal uh, regulation hockey puck for anyone who, who doesn't know. And sometimes you don't know the size of the actual hockey puck because when you're when you see people play it unless you actually hold one you're I mean I I have I have one from the last game that I went to and the first thing I said my god oh you you don't you forget how small they are and how fast it, it it moves and then adding that that additional element of having the vision impairment and and being able and, and tracking it it's it's it is really not very easy to do um even for sighted people so it's it's extremely impressive to even fathom uh, to do you know playing the game even in this adaptive way. I mean it's it's I that's what I personally love about hockey, the the sport itself is because you have to be talented in so many different areas. You have to be really strong on the ice, obviously, and then you have to be able to maneuver um, strategically and be able to do things like you said, like the passing and being able to take shots on goal. Um, so I, I think it's, I am super impressed. And I, I, 
I wish I lived closer <laughs> so I could go to games myself. Well, there's hockey in the USA as well, right? Blind hockey. They've uh, expanded and grown it out there. So there's hockey in the US for sure. They don't, in, they don't invite me. So <laughs> what area do you live in? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. One other adaptation I just uh, remembered, and Graham, you can touch on this for sure, um, is our yellow jerseys. Oh, yeah. The yellow jerseys, for sure. They, um, Because of some people's vision, they can't see like a black or a white very well, and the white will blend into the ice. So uh, we found out that most visions can see yellow fairly well. So that's why we the home team one is yellow one is dark right so our team in vancouver we got a blue and a yellow home jersey so uh, that's a big adaptation so all the teams can see equally as as equal as can be right so i and i, I just want to go back to talking about about the puck really briefly um because you know I'm, I'm sitting here in my living room and i've got my balcony right beside me and i've got my barbecue out there and i'm looking at the wheel and i'm and i'm picturing that on the ice filled with ball bearings and I mean, you mentioned that you know that that puck still can go into the air like there is still oh um, yeah like slap shots and stuff that that no that... slap shots uh but it is very easy to get it raised with a wrist shot wow. right um wow. that is one rule as well no slap shots because it's a metal puck and it's hard um so you're not allowed to have a slap shot. We also don't want you to break your stick the way they cost how expensive they are nowadays. Oh, well, that's actually an interesting idea. So, so the sticks are still just regulation hockey sticks, normal hockey sticks. Correct. And do you guys do, do you have different penalties? Like, do you do power plays? It's, it's, yeah, it's the exact same game of hockey that, we're all excited to watch tonight as the season opens up. Um, aside from those few minor adaptations, you'll hear the exact same chirps between a bench. Um, the referees get treated the same. Um, so, it, 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 yeah, it's hockey. There's penalties. There's power plays. Um, it's, it's a fast, exciting game. One thing I could strongly encourage is if anybody has never seen the sport of blind hockey or heard about it, uh, check us out on social media right across from Instagram, Twitter, uh, even our YouTube channel. We love broadcasting all our games. Uh, this really allows the players to feel as professional as possible. So they get to share these broadcast links with their families back home um, and get to watch them partake in the sport that they love to travel and compete in. So yeah, a lot of our gameplay from our national tournaments, our Eastern regional or Western regional tournaments are all archived on our YouTube channel. So I'd strongly suggest uh, taking some time and, uh, watching some blind hockey and seeing how talented these athletes truly are. And just to, I went in my hockey bag and I got a puck out. So I'm just going to rattle it so you guys can hear how loud it can be. It's a, actually a brand new puck. I'm pretty surprised that there's no dents in it at all. <laughs> Could be your cowbell if you want. Yeah, actually, it does sound a lot like, like our cowbell. Like, we have all these understudies tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm wondering what what kind of uh, how how you kind of manage the different sort of player skills and whether you sort of how 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 does that sort of work in terms of the teams because it seems to me that because vision is so much of a gradient so you're going to have people who are on all different different levels but at the but as well you're also going to have different um sort of like say skating ability, for example, you might have somebody who is a very strong uh, skater when they were sighted, but then they lost their sight and they're sort of adapting from that direction. And then you also might have somebody who is say um, more, you know, has, has had um, low vision or blindness for longer, but they're sort of new to skating. So how do you kind of balance all that? Are there different divisions that you can place people in? How does that all work? There is definitely different divisions. Um, that's more of an organization uh, kind of outlook and what we do there. And it, it's, it all goes back to our incredible volunteers. So uh, across the country, we've got amazing volunteers at every program. Um, both of these volunteers, somebody like Graham uh, without vision. And then we do have some volunteers that are sighted, right? And what we ask truly from them is 
how they grade their players, right? They see them more often than we do. They play with them more often um, than we ever can see them. And we try to make the tournament as fair as possible in terms of these. But you did touch on a couple remarkable things there. Yeah, we do have some players in our community that were very good hockey players when they were younger and had vision. So now a lot of them are adapting to the blind hockey game, adapting to a bigger puck, a slower game, a smaller net and all that. Right. So um, it does have its challenges, but we try to make the sport and all the teams as fair as possible. Uh, we've got a great organizing committee, great volunteers that help with their input. Um, we do share the teams a few times before we promote them and share them with the community. And that's probably one of the most exciting days I think, and, and Graham could talk about that is tournament time is when everybody gets to find out who's on their team. Right. And, and it's a mix of skill. It's a mix of uh, visual impairment. But the only one thing that they do share in common, other than being visually impaired, is their love for the game and for partaking in the event. So uh, I like to think Facebook um, should give us a little bit of credit during those days when we we do launch our teams, because uh, definitely the message boards and the direct messages, everybody's uh, full of excitement, just communicating with each other and how happy they are to be teammates with one another. Oh yeah, and in the tournaments, we're playing with teams from across, like players from across the country. We're not playing as our own teams. Um, and there's a rating system. We kind of go by the um, Paralympic rating system, like B1, B2s, and B3s. Um, even include some of the B4s, like myself, in there, kind of thing. Um, so we use that rating system that the Paralympics do a little bit, and obviously skill from each player and team. So depends on the skill level of that player and their ability. Um, but a lot of people just pick up skating kind of, you know, it's more their fitness that isn't quite there compared to knowing what they're doing. Right. And then once they get the fitness up, then they become a better skater as well. So, so I was reading on the website, Luca, about, I guess there's some differences, um, in vision requirements between recreational hockey and competitive hockey. Can you talk a little bit about what those differences are? Yeah, for sure. Um, so some of the differences are, as Graham just mentioned, is the International Blind Sports Association classification uh, system. So in international blind sports, for example, uh, we have an upcoming series of Canada versus USA. All athletes will be officially IBISA classified. And that means that they will either be a B1 with 0% vision, a B2, which is 1% to 5% vision, or a B3, which is 5 to 10 However, because we try to make the sport as inclusive for all visual impairments, um, we do allow our national tournament and regional tournaments and all local clubs and development camps to make that kind of wiggle room a little bit deeper. So Graham touched on that he's a B4. So Graham would have a little bit more vision than 10%. However, he's still legally blind. So when it comes to our national tournament, um, as I said, we never want to turn anybody away. So uh, a lot of our players are members of the CNIB. And as long as they're legally blind within our community, uh, we welcome them to trying the sport and taking part in all our events. When you do your percentage of blindness for your ratings, is that based on field of vision percentage? Yes. Well, that was an awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving Ryan space. I thought I was waiting for a follow up from Liz. That's all. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were all waiting for a follow up from Liz. <laughs> oh, I wasn't. I, I wasn't sure. Ryan. <laughs> I was expecting another question. Well, yeah. we've oh. got we've got more. Absolutely. I see oh. this. This is the that's the equivalent. That's a hockey equivalent of everybody going for the puck and crashing into each other. <laughs> so we just did. We just, I don't know if there's a name for that, but that's what we, we just did. <laughs> That was a, that was a scrum on the wall. They had to call the whistle for. Yeah, there you go. No one moved the puck. <laughs> so one of the other questions Rob and I were talking about earlier today was: uh, girls, females, women, do they have their own blind hockey league, or are they welcome to join the existing leagues? How does that all work? Uh, yeah, the sport is co-ed, so uh, we do yeah. encourage women to join our league. We've actually had a huge growth in numbers in girls and women in blind hockey over the last three years so big that um last year at our national tournament we were able to host the first ever girls and women's blind hockey summit which saw 24 girls and women take part in a two-day event uh so that was remarkable to see the girls got to have their own safe space their own um time on the ice as a group they took part and played the first ever girls only blind hockey game so the sport is growing on the female side 
Um, we've had some great partners that have helped us grow along that side. And then we've also got a great ambassador, you know, uh, Natalie Spooner from the Canadian Olympic women's hockey team. She's great to have on board. She's a huge role model to the girls in all our programs. Uh, so big that it's a lot of pride with it. Me to actually share that this national team, our 2022-2023 Canadian National Blind Hockey Team has Amanda Proven on the team, and she's the first female ever to be named to the Canadian National Blind Hockey Team. So uh, the sport is definitely played uh, by boys, girls, men, women, uh, and everybody that loves the sport who is visually impaired. Nice. In the uh, local kind of teams, uh, they just play with us all the time, and, you know, and it's, it's fun. It's uh, getting them out there and enjoying the sport. Yeah, we've got great partners, uh, great corporate partners, great funders, uh, incredible donors from across this country. So um, we're we're able to get on the ice, and that's I think the main thing that we're excited to to really get to start doing. I know um, for myself, I just recently got back from Halifax. I was out there hosting a tri-blind hockey program in conjunction with St. Mary's University. So uh, my season's begun. Graham, he's been on the ice with the Vancouver Eclipse since August, last Friday of August. So, yeah, the sport is uh, back on the ice. We've had a couple tough years, just as I'm sure as everybody else has, right? So it, it, we're excited to finally being able to, to get out there and uh, continue to grow the sport. So what does the, your typical season look like for um, blind hockey? Uh, so we host, as I mentioned, we host a regional tournament. This year we're hosting a Western regional tournament that will take place November 18th to 20th. Um, the Canadian national team will play against the Americans on October 21st to 23rd in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then we'll host our national tournament March 26th to 28th in Toronto at Maple Leaf Gardens, now known as uh, Madame Athletic Center, followed by our summer development camp, which will take place in either July or August in a location to be named. So the season is, uh, it, it used to be a typical hockey season from September to April, uh, but now uh, I believe there is no off season anymore. So not really. uh, I'm not complaining, but um, yeah, we've got events that go throughout the year. If it's smaller uh, events, such as an Alberta challenge where three teams from Alberta will take part in the little blind hockey demonstration over a weekend, or if it's uh, something that just recently happened with some members from the Toronto Ice Owls traveling to Montreal to partake in a blind hockey weekend, we've got great volunteers on the club level, such as Graham. Uh, you look at some names like Francois Beauregard and Wayne St. Denis, names from across the community that um, these are all friends. So they love the game to play and they want to keep playing it. So they, they've now gone and set up some of their own little demonstrations and exhibitions. Graham, I'm going to ask you this question because, you know, Vancouver is so spread out, Surrey, White Rock, Cloverdale, Richmond, yep. and so on. How do you guys deal with transportation? You know, somebody, let's say out in Richmond, wants to come out to Surrey and try the game out. You know, maybe they have their own equipment. You know, are they packing 30, 40 pound hockey bags on transit and Hiking out uh, to Surrey, or unfortunately, yes, that's what we have yeah. to do. Um, <laughs> I would love to find a uh, bus driver that would be go around, pick everyone up, and take us. But unfortunately, transit's the way it is. So, yeah. uh, but we'll meet people, right? Like if you need to be met somewhere, we can meet you somewhere, right? right. Um, as long as you get on a transit system. Um, we'll meet people at Scott Road where we play, right? We're right at the SkyTrain station. We just moved there last year um, for that purpose because uh, right. we wanted to make it accessible for people to get out and do it. So we're right off the SkyTrain. We're like a block away from the SkyTrain station. Um, we'll meet you there. We'll meet you anywhere along the line if need be, right? We've got players coming in from North Van. We've got a fellow coming in from Abbotsford. Um, so he gets in there fairly early to come in from Abbotsford. Mm -hmm. uh, players from New West. Uh, we did have a player from Steveston area out in Richmond that uh, did come on play, but he's moved out to Campbell River. So it's a little far for him to come now. So yeah, it's a bit of a commute. Uh, well, it must yeah, be pretty challenging, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, there may be people that want to be involved or get involved, but, you know, they're just, it, it's so hard to get to, right? It's such a long way to travel. It and, is. And, you know, Canada being Bummer so spread with out, somebody right? If you can, yeah. we'll help you out if we can, right? So um we'd really like to go across the province really and, mm -hmm. and kind of show people what we do and maybe get some people involved around the province but like you said it's so far spread out it's mm -hmm. it's challenging for sure is vancouver 
the only blind hockey team in BC? Like has Kamloops got a program or Prince George anywhere else? No, just no? Vancouver. Um, we do have some kids in Kelowna that uh, came down for a youth try that we did last year, which we're looking to book ice for for this year as well. Um, and we have uh, some kids in Nanaimo and Campbell River as well that uh, came out and played with us in a couple tournaments and stuff like that. Um, but they can't come regularly because it's just too expensive to take the ferry and things for them as well, right? And sure. other commitments in life happen. Some went to school and went to college versus playing hockey, you know, I guess yeah. that's what they want to do. <laughs> and how many teams are there in Canada, Luca? Uh, right now we got 14 programs. Wow. Yeah. So it's the number is growing. Uh, 10 years ago, we had four, right? So the, wow. the number is, is definitely growing and, and it's good to see. And, you know, as Graham just touched on there, there, there is other communities that potentially could start a program or a team in the coming years, right? I don't see why not, especially with our help and assistance. Um, I think it's possible, right? Um, so it is exciting. It's an exciting time. We do got goals to grow the sport. Um, not only in, in this country, but we've got goals to help grow the sport around the world, right? Mm -hmm. We've, uh, I've had the privilege to travel to uh, Finland and help them put on their first ever development blind hockey camp, right? And now they're just hosting um, another one coming up over the holidays in December. And we had a call with them last week and they said that they're good to go to host and bring uh, up to 10 blind hockey players to our upcoming tournament in March in Toronto, right? So um, the sport is definitely growing around the world, um, even in England with Nathan Tree and his dedication, all his hard work he's done out there. And that's one of our, our goals with Canadian Blind Hockey is, is not only do, like I mentioned, we want to grow it here, but we want to help grow it around the world because that's what a world leader in the sport would do. And that's what we believe we should do um, as the leaders is provide the resources, if it's a template and and how to create or how to, begin to host a program or an event um, any way that we could help out we're always looking uh, to grow the sport by helping other countries right and it was uh, it was a remarkable to go out there to Finland and see some of these individuals get on the ice not only for the very first time but to see them be part of a team for the very first time and to to hear them talk about a sport in a different language but to see them smiling on their faces like it, it really lets you know that you're doing something that uh, is respected and is somebody that uh, they want to partake in i find that kind of hard to believe you know we've got powerhouses like finland sweden the czechs have been you know such such strongholds in in mainstream hockey and yet they're still kind of at that grassroots level that's amazing to me mm -hmm. and it takes time right like it, nothing was built overnight right mm -hmm. if you look at even other pair of sports like sludge hockey sludge hockey took a, a long time to get accepted by other countries to then be accepted into the Paralympics. And now we're, we look at women's parasled and the dominant force that they're growing in, in the, in the industry. Right. And I think it's important that uh, with dedication and uh, passion, uh, a lot of good things could happen in the future, right. for the sport. And I think it's, it's important because it's not for the individuals who are playing it right now. It's for the individuals that haven't even been introduced to the sport yet that will, it will do so much for them. Right. It will help them with so much off the ice um, in life. And and I'm a big believer, as I mentioned earlier, our players are our ambassadors, but they're also role models in their own communities. And they've got amazing stories to share. And I think those sto stories um, make them uh, well-respected individuals within a community. We've got players that um, have great jobs. Right. And I think something like that is so important for a child who's visually impaired to look up to, to have these role models that it doesn't matter if they scored three goals in a blind hockey game, or if they're uh, a judge in their provincial court system, these are individuals who are role models on and off the ice. Yeah, actually, I, I want to sort of uh, spin off of that and, and ask you a little bit about, about the youth programs and, and sort of how important of a, of a place they are as well, because it does seem to me that, um, there, there is a, a real potential for, for role models and sort of building all kinds of skills in a youth that may be visually impaired. Things like, you know, working with a team and you're know, building confidence. And like, there's, there seems to be so many implications that could, that could really sort of spill out from like outside of the ice. Um, so can you, can you kind of describe what the, what the youth programs are, are like for, for a Canadian blind hockey? Yeah, I think they're probably our most important program. 
And it's not to discredit any of other programs. It's just so important to get these children and youth on the ice to play, to learn to skate, to learn to do something active. Um, as we look right now, it's easier to stay home and do nothing than it is to get out and, and do something active. And that's one thing we thoroughly, thoroughly stress to all our youth participants. I love getting on the ice with the children and youth. Uh, it brings me back to why I fell in love with the game to uh, pass a puck around and to see the smile on their face. And when they score their first goal or when they uh, maybe receive their first body check or give their first body check, of course, it was all um, accidental. Um, you, you see that smile on their face and it makes them feel like they're a hockey player. And I think that is so important because at that moment, they aren't letting their disability be a disability. They're letting their disability be the ability to be able to partake in this program of blind hockey. So our youth programs are so important to the organization. Uh, they give us our room to grow, but more importantly, they give us the reason why we founded the organization of Canadian Blind Hockey. Its original mandate to get children and youth on the ice who are blind and partially sighted. So that's one thing that I thoroughly hold very close to myself and my role is getting as many children and youth as we can get on the ice from across this country. Uh, we've taught over 1,000 children and youth uh, from this country how to skate and play the game of blind hockey all through our incredible program where we have partnered with school boards across the country. Uh, so many school boards we've got great relationships with and we host a field trip day where the school board brings all the blind and partially sighted students from that school board. We come to an arena for a day, we get on the ice, we learn to skate, we pass around the blind hockey puck. Um, and we have a fun time, as Graham mentioned, fun, fun, fun is really what's stressed. And you Even know get what? Pizza. Yeah, everybody <laughs> loves the pizza part of lunch. So we get that and we invite our partners to get, share a little bit about what they do. And really, what it really is, is it's a time for these children and youth to be around other individuals who are the same age as them, who are going through the same challenges in life right now that they're going through. Because for many of them, they sit in a classroom alone in their school because they are the only child or youth with a visual impairment so they're not really engaging in a, with other children in conversation and all that so I, I love when you when you get them all together in, in a change room that starts quiet early around 9 45 and then by the time that pizza walks in the door it, it's hard to get everyone's uh, attention to let them know that there's the cheese pizza and the pepperoni pizza that arrived because it's just so remarkable to see how quick um the camaraderie is built, right? And in many cities uh, with school boards, we host this yearly. So you see these relationships that have developed within the program continue to grow and they grow to become Facebook friends. And then they grow that they see each other, not only at the next tri-blind hockey event, but now they've talked to each other and they want to attend the next summer camp, right? So um, there's a lot of room for growth, but it all starts at our children and youth blind hockey programs, right? They are the future. Um, they are the reason that uh, we do what we do because if it wasn't for them, there really wouldn't be a need to grow the sport as much as we are trying to grow it. So in, in terms of training and, and sort of teaching that sport, especially to youth, is there, is sort of the coaching method, has that been adapted as well? You know, when you're teaching, say a visually impaired youth how to skate, is, is, does that look a lot differently than say teaching anybody to skate and, and sort of who, who does that? Are there other specific coaches and stuff that, that take this on volunteers or other, you know, blind, you know, sort of veteran hockey players? Uh, I'll go with uh, D all of the above there. All of the yeah. above there. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. We, we got great volunteers that have played the game at a very high level. If it's the collegiate in the NCAA, if it's pro in Europe, um, if it's in the, even in the AHL here. Um, so volunteers are huge, but skating is skating. So we try to teach it um, to the children and youth, same way it was taught to me, just by getting out there and letting them know that it's okay if they fall, because you're going to fall. But what's more important is how quick are you going to get up, right? So a lot of the kids, and in fact, every kid has all the equipment when they're learning to skate for the first time. So if they do fall, it's a good chance it's not going to hurt because they got on all the protective gear, right? So we really emphasize that is the first step is getting out there and just getting out there. You've, you're already winning one nothing, right? So uh, we always really let them see the positive side in everything. Uh, but that's actually a great question because I'm very honored to let everybody on this podcast know that Canadian blind hockey is taking another step forward and we are creating a coaching resource manual. And this coaching resource manual will be also a video 
manual and also a copy manual. And what that will do is it will help us create new coaches in communities, not only across our country, but this goes back to creating resources that could help other countries around the world. So we are excited to be uh, creating that and filming that, and we're hoping to launch that uh, around our national tournament in March. Yeah, that, and that's amazing because I really do see part of the part of the issue, and especially with Canada, is that you know we are so spread out. And so there's a lot of really small communities that you might have one or two visually impaired kids and that's it. That's, that's all that they're in, in their town. And so, so for something like that, you know, where you, you could actually have, you know, a, a volunteer or a coach in a small town that could actually be um, coaching uh, a couple of the kids, even though they, you know, they can't obviously can't form a team or anything, but they can still gain all those skills. And who knows, you know, maybe, you know, they get older and they, you know, the, and they move to a bigger city where they could actually join a, a blind hockey team. So I think that that's, that's actually a really um, important uh, component of, of this whole thing and, and something that I think that there's going to be a lot of value for. That's that's extremely true. And what's really cool that we're starting to see now is um, kids that are kind of at that age where they're looking to see what college or university they're going to go to. They're actually looking to see what city has a blind hockey team that they can play for and yeah. go to school at. So that's pretty cool to actually see that from our organization standpoint. Um, and, I, and I love it because it, it shows their dedication. Right. So um, it's it's cool to see. And, and I think it speaks volume on how they want to continue to play the sport as much as possible in some of those cities and towns where there might only be one or two visually impaired children or youth, we do encourage those children or youth um, if they are able to, if they do have enough vision and if it's safe enough to play on their local minor hockey organization. Um, we got an individual in Peterborough that is legally blind, but he plays with the Peterborough Junior Peets with his friends who he goes to school with and they know about his visual condition. They know that he's legally blind, but he's still got the skill and it's still safe where he's able to participate with these players. So we encourage that. Um, main thing we encourage is being active, taking part in team sports, right? And for us, it's sports, but it could be anything. It could be music. It could be art. It could be just something so little that if you're passionate about it, we're really trying to emphasize and push is follow your passion. Don't let anybody stop you, right? Go out there. And if you believe that you want to learn how to skate or you want to try the sport of blind hockey, then we believe you can do it. And we're going to provide you with all the proper resources and a safe outlet to try it, right? And to partake in the sport. Because uh, I think not only is uh, hockey for everyone, but I think uh, it's a sport that helped me so much in my life grow to the individual that I am today. And I see how much it's doing for the individuals and adults, children, and youth who are part of our programs already. Um, so could you, is there anything going on sort of in the next little bit? What are you guys up to right now? So, uh, yeah, there's everything's going on right now. Um, we're, we're, <laughs> Lots happening. Mm -hmm. Programs are on the ice across the country. Um, definitely get out there and visit Graham and his and his teammates. Um, get out there to sure. check out the Eclipse, right? They're, uh, they're a great team. They've got a lot of incredible players, as I touched on so many times now, with amazing stories. But, um, yeah, if that's a close – that's probably definitely the closest team to to everybody here. I, I would encourage checking that out, checking us out on social media. Um, we've got a couple of events that we're planning. Calgary, November 18th to 20th. That's going to be super exciting. Uh, National Blind Hockey Tournament in Toronto in March. Those would be the two biggest events in Canadian soil that we're planning. Um, definitely follow us on our website, CanadianBlindHockey.com. Uh, that's how you can keep up to date with all the news, information, um, games, old archive footage is all on our YouTube channel, as I mentioned. And the sport, not only is it growing here in Canada, but it's growing around the world. So uh, we try to share as much positive news from other countries who are starting blind hockey programs as possible. Um, now, is there, don't you, are you guys not going down to the States and are, is there, is there a game that's, that's going on in the near future to in down in Fort somewhere Wayne. in the States? Fort in Wayne, Indiana. yes. 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 So Team Canada will play Team USA in Fort Wayne, Indiana, October 21st to 23rd in a best of three blind hockey series. So this will be the third time Canada has played USA. Uh, Canada has 2-0. and And this uh, we're looking to uh, make it 3-0, and of course, <laughs> here on the Canadian side. But, you know, yeah. the US, they've got a, they've got a good team. Uh, 
both uh, both teams got some new players on it, so it's going to be some good, fast-paced, exciting blind hockey, and uh, I'm excited to get out there. We're, we'll be leaving from Canada, Toronto next week on Wednesday. Uh, head out there. We'll have a practice, and then we'll have a couple team meetings, and uh, then the puck will drop on competition. So uh, it's an exciting time here. The players are all in their local hometowns so on the national team, and they're just training. They're on the ice with their local clubs. Uh, there is a member from the Vancouver Eclipse that is on the Canadian national team and Sean Heaslip. We've also got one of their coaches, our goalie coach, Joey Ali. So there's representation from, uh, I'd say, pretty much all the clubs, if not a, uh, maybe a couple don't have a representative on the national team, but uh, there's a there's a good amount of players. Every We've got province, 17. Every province has got a representative, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Except for the middle ones, because there's no programs in the middle, unfortunately. Right. Well, there you go, Liz. Maybe we'll have to put some money. Uh, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. Maybe I'll. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not, maybe a friendly wager there on the line between you two. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was... There will most likely be some alcohol involved. So <laughs> you can't go wrong with a case of Canadian beer for a case of American beer, right? That's and, that's uh... kind of how we roll, you know? Interesting. Yeah, Sounds we'll like have a win win. To... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you, you may be taking a trip down to a uh, frugal McDougal and uh... still waiting for my t-shirt. That's right. Um, listen guys. Um, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we're excited um, about the 21st, honestly. Um, is there, if people are interested actually in, in actually watching that tournament, is there, what's the best place to go in order to, to sort of watch that? So yeah, the, the tournament will be broadcasted. The host of the tournament is currently finalizing all broadcast details. But as I mentioned, follow us on our Twitter handles, uh, CanadianBlindHockey.com, on our website, and we will have the broadcast link on there leading up to the tournament once everything is finalized. Fantastic. Awesome. And if you're watching from home, definitely tweet us a screenshot wear red celebrate with us after a goal and uh we'd love to interact with all our fans across this country cool all right well we will definitely do that good best of luck to you go kick some butt so i can get some beer from liz <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna send you some molson yeah, no here. don't what do you okay we'll talk later we'll talk later <laughs> not coors either <laughs> Uh, listen <laughs> listen guys thanks again for for coming on uh and uh best of luck and uh we'll have to ha we'll love to have you guys on again sounds right. good thank you for all your help promoting more awareness and uh letting us share how much we love the sport of blind hockey absolutely okay guys thanks, thanks for coming guys. okay bye see you bye. Bye. bye go sports <laughs> see yeah, that was pretty good See, we're hockey's for everybody. Didn't completely embarrass you guys. <laughs> hockey's for everybody except you, Rob. It's <laughs> clearly. <laughs> no, listen, I got I got all the terminology. I got slap shot. Were you guys impressed with the slap shot reference? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Totally impressed. Yeah. N never, never heard that one before. No. Okay. Well, hey, listen, and oh, check this out, everybody. Watch what I do here. And but I have to warn you guys, that was probably a one-timer. Oh. oh okay i thought you'd be more impressed whatever I've, I've i may have been i've made i may have played some video game hockey that's all i'm saying <laughs> so i know some of the stuff um well what, so i don't know what's the takeaways what, what, what do you guys think well they they haven't convinced me to do stuff with frozen water yet yeah, I know, I know. I can't, I, I, you know, I remember learning how to skate in which I have to admit, I never really finished out of that. Like my, the way that I stop is hitting something that's yeah, me, I, me too. I don't know how to stop on a skate. Um, but I can't like, I, I, the, the idea of, of learning that while you're visually impaired, like that's, that's really intimidating to me. I would have to say, and this is just my own opinion, but coming from the sighted world to losing all of my sight, mm -hmm. anything you do the first time is a little, yeah. a little terrifying. You know, the first time you grab your white cane and go for a walk down the street, even though you've had some O&M training, you're doing this on your own sure. and you're walking down the street and it, it's a little unnerving. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's just, I guess, and you know, again, I, I guess I have sort of a, a bias. I, I, I have a little bit of a bias because <laughs> bias. You have a bias? <laughs> you got a bias? <laughs> Listen, you guys just weren't supposed to hear that. Uh-huh. Uh, say, no. say Google. No, shut up. Say surprise. Sir. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Um, the bias getting in the way. Yeah, whatever. Um, no, but I, I think I have a little bit of a bias because I never really learned to skate properly. So right. I, whenever I put on a, a pair of skates, I feel instantly like out of control. Like I don't, I don't feel in control. So I'm sure it's very different when you're, when you're learning. But even then, like I, I think I feel like skating. You are. I don't know. Like you, it's it's different than navigating you know, when you're not on the ice, like it's, it's just different. Like you're going faster. I, I don't know, but, but maybe you're right, Ryan, maybe it just is, it's just a matter of perspective and, and just learning, learning it at the right, at the right point. Yeah. And one thing they didn't touch on is a lot of times the defensemen will stay in their zones and have constant communication with the goalie. They're not skating up the ice with the puck to try and score on the opposite end. They yeah. have their spot, they have their space. And like I said, they're in constant communication with the goalie. So they're oriented to where they are in that spatial right. arena. Right. Um, so there is that too. You have your stick so you can feel yeah. the boards, you know, you're, you're chatting with your, your teammates. So, you know, you can still get turned around and stuff, of course, because there's sure. no point of reference, right. You're out in the open. I think but, you would get very turned around. I think it would be so easy to to lose your orientation of where you are on the ice, um, especially if you're, <laughs> because of the the the, the movement of the, the the drifting aspect and the turning. You're constantly turning when you're going yeah. after the puck and maneuvering the puck, uh, regardless if it's a regulation puck or the the audible one. But um, uh, yeah, well, that to me, that seems like that would be so hard. So I think it's it's a it's an amazing skill set that these players have developed. Well, and I wondered about that too. And I, I kind of I almost wanted to ask a little bit about strategy and coaching strategy, but I thought that you know maybe that's not something that that you know they'd really want to necessarily talk about. But I think you're going to have whole... to get the manual, the manual <laughs> they're putting the, out. There you go. Right, there you go, Co- Coach Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, maybe. Uh, but, uh, but I, I wonder if there are like different techniques or the way that sound behaves, say in a, in a rink where you can, you, you are able to maybe orient yourself just based on sound or who knows. I mean, there could be a, a whole, a whole list of things that, of, of strategies that players can use in order to do that very thing, like orient themselves or know exactly where they are. And especially if they're communicating with their, with their teammates and they know that whatever Bob is there and they can hear Bob and they, they can orient themselves that way. And it's, it's a whole fascinating, I feel like a conversation that, you know, it spins off of the conversation that we had today, but um, yeah, that might be interesting to do in the future. Just I, talk I, a little bit about strategy. I probably know the answer to this, but Rob, have you ever been to a, a live hockey game or an NHL game? Oh, you're going to be surprised. I actually have. Really? I have. Yes. Okay. So well, I think twice. Twice. Okay. So then you, you would, you can relate to th- there is that there's an etiquette when you go to a hockey game, you know, where, for example, like you stay seated while the, while the, while the puck is in play, you don't go to your seat. So, you, you know, and the, I guess the configuration of the hockey rink with the protective glass and everything, it carries this beautiful acoustic throughout mm-hmm. the, the arena. Um, so you can hear the puck, you can hear the, um, the checks, you can hear almost all of those elements of the game. So I can only imagine that probably when you are actually on the ice and you have that little bit of a um, sound mm-hmm. bubble or uh, sound barrier with the, with the glass that probably yeah. insulates. I I'm willing to bet that there's probably so much more that the players are able to hear and yeah. being able to talk to each other and, and really communicate with one another, I think. Yeah. I would agree with that. Wait, you aren't, you're not supposed to get up from your seat while the puck's in play. 
That's no. a thing. Yeah. Really? That's a thing. Yeah. That's a thing. What? Yeah. They don't didn't I didn't I totally got up from my seat and got my seven dollar beer. Yeah, you're you're also not supposed to walk back to your seat while the play is happening. You're supposed really? to wait. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Oh, they don't have any signs up. I, how am I supposed to know that's, that? That's that's just proper etiquette. That's well, fan see, etiquette. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, sorry. Sorry, Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Maybe that's why you lost that night. Well, I was probably <laughs> I got up. Yeah, you probably cut off their sight lines across the ice. It's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy's getting up. Oh, well, we scored again. We'll, we'll take any excuse we can get in Vancouver. <laughs> that's true. It's all Rob's fault. That's right. Could be, it could be. Rob. Listen, revenge. Revenge is sweet. Take revenge that. is a dish. Best served. That's right. It's best served cold. Cold. And face washes in the snow are very cold. <laughs> That's great. All right. Let's He's get getting out. hangry. Let's, let's get out of here. That's right. No, I'm just, just all that talk of pizza parties, right? No, I'm just, no, I'm just thinking back to Tony Crespain, wherever you are now. Jerk. Give me a face wash. Jerk. Hockey. Hockey jacket. <laughs> There's some, there's some untreated trauma there. <laughs> Just a little. It sounds like. Yeah, there you go. Rob, we're going to get you some hanger management. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Uh, hey, Liz. Hey, Rob. Where can people find us? Uh, we can be found on the web at atbanter.com. You know what else I was wondering? Uh, do you think, do they need a license do you need a license to drive a Zamboni? Like, is that mm. a special skill set? Like, do you have to go to training or something? Do you have to, is there a Zamboni school? Is there Zamboni school? Probably. I, I expect there probably is because you don't want people just driving one of those into the boards. Yeah, mm. that's a really good point. Yeah. So do you yeah. get Zamboni insurance? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Mm. I mean, I wonder if that's ever happened. Somebody's had a few and then went and did the ice and ran into the boards. I don't even know what a Zamboni does. Like, what does it do? It smooths out the ice. Yeah. But what is it spray? Is it spraying water? Like what's it doing under there? I what happens it's... if? Yeah. I think it actually heats the ice a little bit and then it, uh, it melts it and smooths it. Yeah. It just pretty, melts pretty the sure that's surface. what it does. It may lay down water on top of it as well. Additional water. I'm not sure. And then it just freezes right up. Yeah. All right, there you go. Zamboni driver charged with impaired driving. <laughs> wait, 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 really? Did you just look that up? After damaging rink, police say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. See, like, it this does from, happen. Uh, from back in uh, 2015, December 21st, 2015. <laughs> He's was... charged with impaired driving and resisting arrest after allegedly, allegedly crashing into the boards of an ice rink between periods of a hockey game, according to police. Where was wow. this? This was uh, the second intermission of a game involving the Seine River Snipers Bantam team in Saint and Manitoba. Wow. You really do need Zamboni insurance. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Apparently. Wow, that's funny. I want to hear that 911 call. <laughs> like, you know, somebody's like, hey, I think, I think the Zamboni driver's impaired. He's <laughs> swerving all over the place. He, he too, just ran, he just too many Molsons. That's right. I guess That's right. so. Manitoba. Well, there you go. So mm. I wonder what happened if you get run over by a Zamboni. Like, I wonder if you could get... Anyways, you get, forget you get, it. You get put on ice. Oh, <laughs> there you go. That's what I was waiting for. Okay, anyways, where was I? Uh, we, we, they can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at atbanter.com. And people do not stand up during a game, please. Yeah, well, Be better than Rob. Yeah. Except, except when Vancouver, you know, scores. Yeah. But That's hey, right. you know what else? What? People can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Excellent. But not on the ice. But not on the ice. Not me. No way. 
all right. Well, that is going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks, of course, to Luca and Graham for joining us. No, and... no, it's Greg. Shut up. Oh, you bastard. You bastard. I wrote it down to you, fucker. Wow. Sorry. Now I don't feel bad about screwing because to. I betcha like there's like 90% of the times when I screw up, you guys are just messing with me. So yes, it's Graham. Okay. Uh no, Big. that's about 10% of the time. You, <laughs> you kind of mess up about nine out of ten. Hey, bias. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. Okay, hold on. I gotta compose myself. All right, that is gonna about do it for us. Big thanks of ugh. big thank oh, you guys, you guys, you did it to me again. <laughs> I live for the show. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, hold on. (laughs) I'm gone. You know, Ryan just holds it in, and then all of a sudden I just say something, and he just explodes. Notice that? All right, I'll mute myself. Go. Okay. Okay. All right, that is going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks, of course, to Luca and Graham for joining us. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778 778- 847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. 